What's going on everybody? Mothman here. And Pope brought me back for the first time in a really long time to tell you guys to uh, make sure that you're exercising caution when you're listening to podcasts. Macabre Masters is a completely uncensored podcast. So you're liable to run into a lot of different subjects and situations while listening to this, including violence, death, suicide, sex, sexual assault, murder, pretty much anything on the board that you can possibly think of is mentioned in this podcast. If any of these things are triggering for you, then we advise that you do not listen to the podcast and we do not judge you for it. We love you. We want you to be well and we think you're great. So um, if those things don't bother you though, we hope that you enjoy the podcast very much. And uh, hey guys, can you bring me back for the outro, please? I'd really appreciate it. Guys? Beth? Nick? awesome great outstanding uh, we're just delaying for time here all right all right all right cool oh yeah we don't even have to do that because it's obs so we're all we're all squared away as far as I that know, goes i just like it it feels uh, like tradition let's do yeah, yeah, let's do our sure. sink in all right let's so all right so one two three fuck, fuck. fuck. all right <laughs> you're right it does it leads in really smoothly all right yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Macabre Masters. It's good to be here hanging out. Of course, I am Pope. I am hanging out with original Nick and Beth, the macabre hamstress. And uh, you guys, you guys having a having a good night so far? Good day. Good morning. I'm having an absolutely fantastic morning. <laughs> At least you waited less than twenty seconds before telling me that. All right, Beth. I'm great. Fabulous. I am awake and tired it's been a long day that seems it's a, that's a, that's adulting that's that's the common state of being an adult awake but barely um but that's okay because tonight we're here actually to talk about something really neat which is we are going to talk about the omen series Ooh. now uh yeah or seriously like the this like you said the south park you know Next to um easy <laughs> Satani. Um, so the uh, so guys, for those of you who are not familiar, the Omen is a series from the 1970s. It was the original one was remade, I think, in 2006, but it was originally made, I think, in 1971, and it's about a child who is swapped, um, who swapped with another child in basically a Catholic monastery, um, and he turns out to be the son of Satan, uh, and hence the Antichrist. And so uh, this kid starts, like, bringing on all sorts of problems, and he doesn't know it. He's just a baby, but uh, all this stuff starts happening around him. It's discovered that he's the Antichrist, and uh, his uh, – so full spoilers, guys. His, as uh, always. As always, his dad attempts to kill him and fails, which leads the way to two more sequels, one where he's a teenager and a real shithead, too, um, <laughs> and then a third one where Sam Neill is god-tier, 
as Damien as an adult. And so wouldn't he be anti God tier? He would be. He would be he would be the opposite of God tier. He'd be Satan tier as as an adult. So um he was great and it's a great it's it's a great series. I always thought it was kind of hokey, but watching it as an adult, like um because I saw the first one when I was young, but watching it as an adult, I gotta I gotta give it respect. And so um, one thing before we kind of get into the talk about The Omen is I do want to say that The Omen is a movie that has religious themes um, and especially ties in with uh, I mean, I mean, I just said all that stuff about the Antichrist and stuff, but I feel like it's obvious. But still, sometimes you should lay things out. So it has religious themes, um, you know, talking about revelations and what's going to happen when Christ comes back and stuff like that. Um, there are some direct contradictions to the actual Bible in the Omen, uh, artistic license that they took with revelations. And we're going to go into some of that. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because I don't want anybody to think that this isn't a debate about, or it's not a conversation about what belief is right, what's wrong or anything like that. The Omen yeah, no, did we're state, not here to talk about like that at all. I, I would agree. It's about the movie itself. Now, the omen, it did shape, like, it absolutely shaped the modern perception of what the Antichrist is. And uh, on a strictly biblical Agreed. level, it's not right. But um, believe as you will. Nobody's here to tell you what to believe or not believe. We're just here to talk about a really cool series from the 70s. And the still cool, but not quite as cool remake from the 2000s. Did, did you, you watch the remake? I saw the remake. The remake was actually the original version I watched when I was younger. Is the Julia Stiles was the mom one, right? Yeah. Well, so I forgot because I've only seen the remake once. I went and saw it in theater, like the day it premiered. Obviously, because like this is my scared the pants off of me as a little kid. But I did not remember that Lee Shriver was Damien Thorne's dad. And now I have to go back and watch it because I just see Ray Donovan, all like Irish Catholic, like fix it guy as 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 mr thorne and so now i want to go back and see if it makes me laugh i don't know who leave driver is really he was caught weary in scream oh that guy oh you know i've always thought that guy is like one of the most handsome guys in hollywood not you should lie. watch ray donovan it's like a tv series and he did excellent in it like if you're ever looking for a good show that's like got good drama and writing and backstory and like character arc and stuff it had like a little bit of everything there were characters you really loved to hate so but ray was a really good show good times that's freaking awesome everybody go check out leaf Shriver. go support leaf driver who's just <laughs> handsome and amazing um so with that said and he's not amazing because he's handsome but you know it doesn't hurt but he is it's uh okay. you know yeah right um <laughs> some of us are leave driver and some of us are just trying to get by okay i'm just saying uh with that said uh so you guys um i i watched the trilogy right now there is a fourth one that was made for tv um i skipped on that one but um what did you guys to for the podcast what did you guys watch i only watched the- uh oh good go ahead oh i only watched just the original uh from 1970 something you missed a great, you, you I missed did. some great stuff. You missed Bishop. <laughs> you missed Sam Neill. Um, so I watched all three. I watched the first two, and then I watched the last one yesterday before we were um, supposed to meet last night when we had to reschedule. Um, and like it was very different for me watching it 
now as an adult versus like watching it as a kid because as a kid I was sheltered like it was specifically movies that my parents would watch that I was not allowed to watch and there wasn't a lot of television like that in my household as a kid Um, but I got to see the fourth one first as a little girl which the antichrist is a little girl in the fourth one so it was way more highly relatable like for me and then to go back and watch the others um but just for the podcast i watched the main three yeah i the the thing is is that i felt the original trilogy i felt like i watched the beginning of the fourth one but like i really felt like the original trilogy was just it was such Iconic. a well-told it was a, such a well-told story from beginning to end it had a beginning a middle and an end and it made sense as a full kind of product i guess okay. almost like it made sense you know like i don't necessarily know that it, when it was made it was made in that smooth a manner like you think of like you know the lord of the rings where they you know they planned everything out way in advance and like they had the books to go by and all that the the there are omen novels but they're actually based on the screenplays from the movies like so versus being it the other way around where it's usually based off the book which yeah exactly which is rare uh you don't really see sure. a whole lot of that so i i still have yet to read the novels but i'm gonna have to because uh one thing about reading a novelization that's based on a screenplay that's a lot of fun for uh those of you out there who might want to check it out is that um, screenplays always have stuff in them that's omitted from the final cut of the movie because they either don't have the time or budget or whatever to actually film everything. And so a lot of ways, those books is ways you can get additional information that's not in the movie. Um, Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Like uh, if you look at the uh, Star Wars novelization, it was by Alan Dean Foster. Hmm. Um, It was credited as George Lucas. Alan Dean Foster, he ghost wrote it um, based on the script for Star Wars. And that's one of the ones that has a lot of really cool content that's just not in the final cut of A New Hope. Um, there's a bunch of them. Aliens is another one. Uh, there's, there's, they're all over the place. Even the Jurassic Park kind of novelizations have extra information. I didn't information know that about them. Aliens either. That's cool. Yep. It's a cool thing. It's a cool. It's a really neat thing. Um, it's, aside from giving context that maybe sometimes it's hard to come by when you watch a movie. Just because, once again, presentation and budget. So, that's cool. So, um so beth was uh you know beth was raised in a religious household and so the omen has kind of special meaning to her with the with the antichrist and everything like that um and we'll let beth get into that in a second because i think it's very important to go into if beth wants to um but um i actually wanted nick um seeing a movie from the 70s a horror movie from the 70s you know um relatively recently i kind of wanted to hear what you what your thoughts on it were man Sure, I think it was super, I don't know, like, it's very classical feeling um, after seeing some other uh, horror movies from that era. Like, it's it blows my mind that Alien, the first one, came out relatively soon. Uh, I don't remember if it's the exact same time or, like, relatively close to it. Um, it just has a classical feel to it, and being sort of half Catholic right now, I haven't gone through RCIA or anything, um, and being raised... Uh, religious and even taking an eschatology class um, which is a study of end times it was super interesting to see uh, comparisons um, like you were talking about from the bible and from the actual book there are uh, a lot of um, liberties taken and I think the interesting thing is we're talking about doing another 
uh, series in a future episode, and it has sort of premonition. And I was like, wow, I wonder if there was any inspiration between like uh, Final Destination and The Omen, because uh, it gets like foreshadowy with uh, the picture guy, uh, Jennings. I don't know. I thought it was just really classy and classical. It was it wasn't too grotesque or anything like that. It's just um it's like before maybe shock horror came out. I don't know. Something about it just felt really planned out. It was really deliberate. I was a big fan of it. Um I was able to retain everything. It's not wasn't like a oh, this one scene. Like the whole movie from beginning to end was just super well thought out and I think it was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Damien is a little shit, though. <laughs> the little grin. <laughs> Hell yeah, Damien is definitely the epitome of a little shit. Um, even as a baby. Um, so, so Beth, uh, we're gonna get a little bit into that the the actual the contrast of like revelations versus the movie in a little bit. But um, and Nick, you actually might know the subject better than me, so um, that's freaking awesome. But um, Beth, I actually, if you wanted to, I wanted to give you a second to talk about how it affected you because I know that it really scared you when you were when you were younger and seeing as an adult. It really, really did. I first before I get into that though, I want to say that the the word that really stuck out that Nick just used was classy. Like we look at the the style of film. Right. And it's very much in a similar style to like what we would see in Hellraiser or or something along those lines, just the level of film quality and stuff like that. But it was done in a way where it was emotionally stirring. If you were raised in a sort of spiritual religious household, particularly of the Roman Catholic faith, like it absolutely hits on like some innate intrinsic fear or 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 thoughts of, of what could become or what could happen you know based off of what's in the bible and stuff i mean i think classy is the perfect word really to articulate how well it was done i think the other word that i really want to touch on when you look at not just the first movie but the entire franchise um is linear like it was a complete story each movie was a complete story and then the compilation of all three of them together completed an entire storyline and while we see that across a lot of different horror franchises um like saw is one of the ones that kind of comes to mind where they had a whole complete story over multiple movies they didn't have the same effect in the same way because they weren't written in a way that wasn't convoluted like nick said it was very straightforward it was very to the point and we get a lot of horror movies now where they have these long drawn arcs but there's so much stuff that's that's part of it that you have to remember the little details that it just doesn't quite fit and, and you, you feel like maybe they wrote some stuff in here that doesn't isn't supposed to go and the omen was very pure and very elegant in the way that it was written um to get into like what it did as a kid my father was a minister in the united methodist uh, church and so i grew up in church i was the little girl in sunday school that could read all of the 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 scriptures the fastest and like i knew psalms 23 by heart by the time i was like six like it was just something that was really ingrained in me and by the time i was allowed to watch the omen i was probably somewhere between like eight and ten um it had to have been probably nine or 10 because it was after my grandfather died, I believe at which point I was at a very huge spiritual crossroad. It was my first dealing with death and what that meant. Um, and when I saw the omen, uh, it 
hit me really, really hard. Like it was terrifying to me because of how literal I took the Bible as a child and how literal I took kind of everything as a child um, because of my own neurodivergence and stuff like that. It was terrifying to me. Like it shook me to my core. What if I'm the antichrist? What if I know the antichrist? And these are things that like literally kept like little kid me up at night. Like I was so terrified of it. Um, and it really progressed into a fear and sort of a fascination at the same time with all things occult and demonic and vampires and kind of that whole thing. It escalated into what I am now, essentially. Like, I don't even think I would have the same beliefs or have had the same relationship with God that I did or the same relationship with religion that I have had if it hadn't have been for where the omen really directed me out of that kind of intrinsic fear that came along with actually truly with my whole heart believing that that sort of afterlife versus no afterlife um, Christian ideas versus pagan ideas like it, none of it would have developed the way it had if that hadn't really been triggered from watching the omen and having that fascination with it not um not tied in with the omen but i actually have a very similar past myself like i grew up uh, my family wasn't ultra religious but i still went to church and stuff i went to sunday school and stuff and i think for some of us that kind of leads into just um it's interesting i think for a lot of people being religious leads into close-mindedness and i'm not here to shoot shots or anything i just do think that is the way it works in a lot of cases uh, because religious communities are kind of closed communities, right? They're just, you know, they're kind of their own thing. But for a lot of us, I think it actually leads into more questions. And so seeking the answers to those questions leads us to other places. And I think that's a very healthy thing and a very good thing um, until you maybe like, uh, I don't know, maybe some of us take it too far, the curiosity. I don't know. Um, but I will say this. Uh, I think the Bible is a fabulous and interesting book, especially Revelations. And so the first thing I would say, anybody who's listening to this, if you've never sat down, no matter what your religion is, if you've never sat down and read Revelations, you should. Um, that's the first thing. I feel that way about the whole Bible. Like even like now where I am in my spirituality, if you've never read the Bible, just read it one time. Yeah. If you've never read the Quran, just read it one time. Like there's so much information and perspective to be gained even if you don't align with them as religious ideals like there's still so much that you can learn about yourself by reading different versions of the bible even and stuff like that i highly recommend it to anybody or as i like to say know your enemy <laughs> um <laughs> that was i do say that sometimes but i say it as a joke i don't have anything against anybody um, except people that use their religion to uh, crush other people's beliefs and opinions and to hurt them. I do have a problem with that. But uh, aside from that, so um, the uh, Revelations is a fascinating book. Uh, for those of you who aren't in the know, that's OK. No judgment here. Revelations is about the end of the world. Um, and one of the things that factors into the end of the world in the actual biblical Revelations book is... Um, is uh, the rising of uh, the or th the multiple antichrists. And so, and false prophets are a part of it as well. Um, now, the thing about Revelations is very interesting is that it's all very metaphorical. 
the biblical scholars, to my understanding, and Nick, this is the part where if I say anything stupid or wrong, you please do correct me. Okay. Um, but my understanding is that biblical scholars do not believe that the person who wrote Revelations, who is anonymous, um, that they actually believe that what they said was going to happen literally. They, it was all very metaphorical and it was all designed to get a point across. And that is that the end of the world is going to be very chaotic. It's going to be very difficult. And that is going to be, depending on your sect, that is the point where people will be called back to heaven or mm. Jesus will come back or there's a few different interpretations. So the thing Zombies. about the, sorry. Yeah, right. Pretty <laughs> much. Well, no, no, no. Like actually that is a really interesting thing. So there's an ongoing debate on whether, um, on whether people, when they say that people will be basically raptured, which the term raptured is never mentioned in the Bible, but um, when they, that's what we understand it as today, the rapture, um, whether it'll be them restored to their physical bodies or whether it'll be their souls that are raptured. There's a lot and that their souls are kind of in a waiting room right now or asleep. There's been debate about this throughout the centuries and mm -hmm. nobody's come to a good conclusion, in my opinion. Um, their heads just cryogenically frozen it's fine yeah exactly right it's just future drama like we're just we're just their heads are just hanging out nixon's like, um <laughs> the uh so but the thing about it is is that um uh the the one thing about the omen that's really interesting is it was a lot like hereditary <laughs> in the way that it both cleave very close to the source material that it was basing stuff on but also took incredible liberties with it um, and it's a very delicate balance, but the omen is special. And mm -hmm. the reason is because it's actually some of the inaccuracies have made their way into modern interpretation of. It's very uh, much like a witch in Hollywood, the way we perceive it. I would agree. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot like um, the other one that did that was. Um, fuck. What was it? I just had it. Oh, my God. So basically, basically, here's the deal. The Antichrist in no point in the Bible is said to be the son of Satan. That is yeah. a complete fabrication of the movie. The Antichrist in the Bible is described as basically anybody who is literally an Antichrist. Like, so, um, so if you don't believe in Christ or you don't, um, you know, admit Christ as your Lord and Savior or if you um, are against Christians uh, or you're an infidel, essentially, or an apostate. Um, just a which, heretic. Or, or a heretic, which, by the way, pretty much everything on that list, I check every single box. Um, <laughs> um, the uh, Then that would make you technically an antichrist. And so the idea in Revelations is that there's going to be a lot of people that are against Christ, and Christ is going to come back and slap them all down. And so... The whole son of Satan thing is just just completely made up by the movie. But the oh, Paradise Lost by John Milton. So Paradise Lost by John Milton. The Bible talks very little about Satan himself. A lot of our understanding about Satan and his history comes from Paradise Lost, right? Which is not a religious text, not in the way of like something like the Gospels, you know, if Luke or Mark or whatever. Um. Was it Mark? Was it Matthew? Matthew it was Matthew? Mark, was it? Luke, and there was a Mark. Okay, there was a gospel of Mark. I'm like that I lay on. Sorry. I'm like I'm like not trying to make up gospels here. The, the gospel of Raekwon, you know what I mean? The gospel of fucking Shaggy, you know? Um, <laughs> a wall, a wall, or Shaggy too dope. That's totally where I <laughs> thought you were magnets. going. Magnets. 
So like, <laughs> okay. I had a, another observation in comparing it to Hereditary. So okay. we talk about a lot when we talk about films and we use Hereditary as an example often and how the villain is all of a sudden displayed right like are do we ever actually see the villain do they just allude to one and so there's several entities in the omen that they allude to but we don't ever actually see like we never actually see satan right we never actually see god like at the end we have this sort of big jesus reveal spoiler obviously you know but we don't ever actually see it and like we had talked about before like that kind of gives it more power that we never actually see either of these two divine forces that are, are, are essentially manipulating man like how do we know that Damien is actually anything it could just be all these people believing that he is that gives him all this power in the first place you know and and one of the other things I really was thinking about is we had discussed before how we're on the side of Damien by the time that the end of the the movies is over, we're like rooting for him. And it kind of was like, what, whose side are we on by the end of the movie? Like, is it the, this ideal that we're supposed to be good people and be on the side of good and God and Jesus and whatnot, or like, do we actually fall into the charisma and, and the, the, the charm that is Damien Thorne, you know, because there is a part of you that's like, damn, that's how he goes out. Like after everything. Stabbed in the fucking back. But I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Like if you're like evil and against Christ and stuff like that, you're, you're going to die in a really (laughs) unglorious manner. But then he's all like, you've won nothing Nazarene and just, you know, just fucking dies. And it's like, what do you mean? He's won nothing. He stopped you. Like, well, he didn't stop you. Jesus Jesus just let other people do his dirty work, but then again, so did the Antichrist. So, I mean, uh, maybe there's a little bit of an indictment of both of them in that movie sure. because they neither of them really did anything. Um, I, well, everybody kinda... else did everything that set him up to have all this power just because they believed that, was that, that he was, was the face on the wall. What were you going to say, Nick? You said you were about to say something. Um, I mean, from what I've learned in, in, in the eschatology course that I took, um, Revelation is believed, well, most every uh, denomination will tell you it's John. It's the Revelation of John, um, the one who, uh, the apostle. Um, and the Antichrist is just one Antichrist. Are you talking about is... the books of John at the end of the New Testament? The one like who, John, the, the Gospel of John, that's the same John who uh, had the revelation. Um, right. Um, so it, Pope said it was anonymous, but it is uh, everywhere I've ever looked at, every church I've ever gone to, every, even my Bible that I got right here says it's uh, John. No, this is not true. This is not, this is factually untrue. Okay. I'd like you to cite your source, please. So here's the thing. Uh, and I, Nick, I'm not trying to like start a debate. Um, you, I have fully admitted you know the subject better than I do. However, um, the the authorship of every single book of the Bible is heavily, heavily contested. But the Gospels themselves, especially, and anything written by that claims to be written by um, by the apostles themselves, was later added after the initial Bible was written. 
And in most of them, it nowhere says even the author doesn't self-identify really in most of the books anyway. But even in the case of John, it is believed to be another John, not the Apostle okay. John, who actually so I have wrote heard Revelations. That. Like I have heard that, but I don't know if that's ever actually like I haven't read anything to confirm that. But I have heard that it was potentially another John like History Channel 15, 20 years ago or something like that. So but I have like that is what I grew up with was that Revelations yeah. was the revelation of John, like from my dad and stuff. Like, I mean, if it's new knowledge, then it is new knowledge. But um, another thing that I've always, even in the course that I took, no matter which denomination it is, because it gets into goofy stuff depending on the denomination. Like you have, like in the Revelation, there's a thousand years of peace, right? So when Jesus um, comes down, and, you know, either takes everyone's soul away, depending on which denomination it is, or it just kind of happens, depending on which denomination you're in. Um, there's like a thousand years of peace where he just locks Satan down in a pit. You got a thousand years of peace, but he has to let them out because all those who are born during the thousand years of peace need to have um, some temptation in their life because otherwise they're not going to choose Jesus. Um that's just like a tangent. Um, they have millennials, uh, millennial and amillennial. Then you also have rapture and anti-rapture denominations. Um, but most of the ones, that, uh, everyone that I've heard of, the Antichrist is just one Antichrist. And there is one false prophet. And there is, of course, the devil uh, making the unholy trinity, which is what they talked about in the movie. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting uh, that they brought that up. I was like, wow. So if he's the Antichrist, Satan is somewhere. I don't know who the false prophet would be if they if they did it in two and three. I wouldn't know. They didn't really. Like... Yeah, they didn't go into it really. I need to look into this because um, I actually am very very curious about uh, apocalyptic lore, and I looked into this Antichrist thing, and I can't cite sources right now, but um, I don't remember it ever mentioning in Revelations that it's just one person. Now they do they do have the thing the born of a jackal thing which I've mentioned on this podcast before which was actually a translation error or an, an intentional translation change which was born of a dragon um, and then they changed it to jackal later I think jackal is a lot better imagery personally um, especially if you watch the Omen and you see them dig up that fucking grave and there's a goddamn jackal skeleton in there it's like that was dope, though. that was one of the coolest scenes honestly like it was so like just like what's the word climactic like honestly you're just like oh so what was okay while, while you guys are researching and looking stuff up i'm gonna ask you guys some questions because this is my horror movie like i i want to know what was your favorite death like and i know nick you only saw the first one but mm -hmm. my favorite death of all three was in the first one mm, probably i think probably the priest um the the father who died right outside of the church i think it was the most set up i mean they hung on that one the longest i feel um they kept talking about that like not talking about it but there was like so many pictures uh, you know jennings took a lot of pictures of him and then it was like that's kind of what got the ball rolling more yeah. More. yeah that's absolutely. what kind of got the whole ball rolling on the whole premonition death thing um because he didn't pull up the original babysitter until after the father had already died and then he brought up his um after the father died too so i was like i think that was probably my favorite and i was like is he gonna die because it, it 
they kept teasing it too. They kept showing the shadow down or this side. Uh, oh, that's we're not on video, but <laughs> I did the wrong shoulder. So um, they kept showing the shadow on the picture of it going down his shoulder uh, and out through his back. Um, and I don't know, like as soon as it started thundering, I was like, oh, is he going to get struck by lightning? Or, oh, is he going to get uh, impaled by a tree branch? No, it turned out to be part of the church, and he died right there on the church grounds. <laughs> so that was my favorite death also. The kids, like, as a kid, naturally, the the scene with the nanny at the beginning yeah. was, like, Terrifying. super upsetting. And my kids, well, we watch horror movies with the kids, you know, and, like, they were all like, oh, look, it's a human pinata. That was their response to it. But that says a lot of, like, what the shock value was in the mid-70s versus the mid-2020s, like, where we're looking at you know, what kids are, are actually going to be scared by. Cause they thought like, literally that was their first reaction was, Oh, it's a birthday party, human pinata. Like, let's go get some birthday treats. And I'm like, you guys are demented. We're yeah. That's dark. <laughs> that's dark stuff. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, but you raised us. And I'm like, well, that explains it. So, um, the first thing is, uh, I, I, I looked, I did a quick Google search to try to determine, you know, who was right about the antichrist being one or many thing. Um, and uh, all I really have to say is this. That is what I saw in my research. However, Nick is insanely more knowledgeable on the subject. And so if you're going to quote one person from this podcast, quote him. And um, if you know the answer, I mean, if you have some reputable sources, like put them in the comments. Would you give us five stars? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, the only thing about like my sources is it comes from like it, it's not outside knowledge. I mean, uh, it's it's all religious based, um, based on. Uh, the one year of seminary and, you know, reading the Bible and, you know, textbooks from uh, Christian sources. So, I mean, if you have, I mean, like I a... would concur just raising, being raised with my dad, cause he has his master's in divinity. He went to mm. seminary for like a decade and like, I grew up with the same information that Nick has, not that it was this collective, not to say that I don't see the, the theory behind the collective antichrist, yeah. As, as mean, a whole, like, but have, I was like, raised with the same information that Nick has. Yeah, I think the closest thing that I would say to that is there is, from what I was told, there is some uh, part of Matthew that is uh, interpreted to be uh, for the end times. Uh, yeah, I would just turn to it magically. That was really weird. Uh, like Matthew 25, um, where it talks about the sheep and the goats. Um, and that is interpreted to be part of the end times. You know, a lot of pastors like to use that, the, um, the whole, uh, what you, I forget what it was. It's like, if you help the sheep, I forget what it was, but, oh yeah, there it is. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one at the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That's, it's supposed to be in the end times after Jesus is already gone. And it's just a bunch of people. <laughs> hanging out on earth after Jesus is gone um, for that thousand years um, or right before he comes back. I'm not sure, but um, I don't know. See, I've never really heard that particular past scripture like utilized in reference to revelation or end times. I mean, like I've absolutely heard yeah. it. My Bible right sermon, here. But I've never yeah. heard it in that way. Like I, I understand how they're using it. It's just, I feel like based off of how I've heard it before, it's a very different context. Yeah, like it's very much well, before we get to end times, yeah. like Bibl how you utilize your time and your skills and your kindness and compassion for others. 
Biblical scholarship is very difficult. It's, like it's very difficult because you're working with such old documents and like yeah. a completely sure. different world. Well, absolutely. When it was all it's written. like trying yeah. to translate the constitution to 2022. Like, yeah. It's, it's a challenge. It's a unique yeah. one. By the way, I've heard that quote used very, very recently. Um, I mean, even my Bible. Eminem, he said, it's time to separate the sheep from the goats. Yeah. Um, and of course he was referring to sheep and then uh, the greatest of all time uh, mm. himself. <laughs> um, I like that guy. He's what were you saying, Nick, in your Bible? Oh, I mean, looking at it right now, it just says Jesus tells about the final judgment. So I don't know. Like, the issue I have is pastors really, especially here in the South, really love King James. It's like ESV doesn't exist. And people all over the world hate NIV, but that's the one that I got is the New International Version. Um, and you got American Standard Version. I mean, they're in, I don't know. Some of the New like, International Version is great for teenagers. Like, you give. Yeah. NIV to like a 14 year old who's just like learning in their own way especially one that wasn't raised in the church like I think it's a lot easier as a read for children it's not as dry I think so I don't like that's the what these, I learned on too these the thous and I like the these and thous but if you're actually trying to have a relationship with your bible they're yeah. maybe not ideal I mean I tried to also learn the the Greek and I have the book still I don't have my Greek bible anymore I don't know where it went um, so I could still learn the biblical Greek and we could do like a, <laughs> a redo of this episode in the future. Um, like a revisit, a revisitation. Yeah, when I could see one of the original languages, cause even biblical scholars are like, well, the original was written in Greek. Well, it's like, it's Greek, Arabic and Sanskrit. And I don't have time to learn all those languages. Well, um, see, so that's actually the problem with the apostles having written it or anybody in that time frame really haven't written it is that. A, most people during that time frame were illiterate, and B, especially the people Jesus was hanging out with, not to diss them, but that was one of the huge points was yeah, that they weren't with, these yeah. high up jury people like they were, you know, commoners. So they were illiterate. And then the second thing is that the whole the the original, at least the oldest ones that we really have access to are written in Greek. And so that means that they were written by, um, you know, obviously incredibly educated Greek people, you know, so it's. It makes it a little bit more difficult and hairy. I don't, I don't know if I want to get into the whole like biblical, like uh, all the things about Jesus's teaching that were changed over the years and stuff. Um, sure. It's it's there's been a lot of changes made. I encourage you all to go do your own research. Uh, as far as the Antichrist subject, I defer to Nick. Um, but um, on the authorship one, I still fully stand by my, <laughs> my statement on that one. But um, uh, and I wanted to get back to the, so that was a whole tangent, but, um, my favorite death was the guy getting decapitated by the glass. I thought that was really cool. That was a cool, that one, that one yeah. was pretty impactful too. I would agree. Well, cause I love the character. I thought he was just a total darling. Yeah. Uh, side note, the guy who played him, um, I thought that he might be Robert Muldoon from Jurassic Park. So I looked him up. He wasn't, he is another guy. Um, Bob Peck played Muldoon in Jurassic Park. He died of cancer, uh, maybe, like maybe a decade or two back. But um, the guy who played him, I forget his name off the top of my head. Uh, he actually died last month, actually. Oh. The guy who played the photographer oh, in wow. The Omen. Really? Yeah, I thought it was a weird coincidence. Hmm. Um, oh, no doubt. Because we've been planning this episode for like a hot minute off and on, too. Yeah, that's true. He might have been waiting for it and then just never got to hear it. So guy whose name we can't remember. Guys who guy whose name we can't remember. But he was just <laughs> I thought he was such a darling, like such a sweetheart. Um and I like sweethearts. So oh uh Beth is gonna look it up. She's, I am she's, gonna look it up because rest in deserves, peace, guy. He deserves to have his name. David mentioned. or Keith Jennings. No, that was the it's David Warner. David Warner. Rest, rest in, in peace, peace, David Warner. Jim. 
Yikes. July 24th. Yeah. Really recently. That's crazy. Actually, His birthday was July 29th, too. So he was born in 1941. He, like, would have had a birthday in, like, five days. Oh, wow. No doubt. So we started recording this um, after midnight, but we, we, me and Beth originally got together, and Nick was still getting ready. Actually, a month to the day uh, <laughs> from David Warner uh, kicking the bucket. So that's uh, that's interesting. Um, there's also stories. Uh, there's also a few stories here and there about some of the Omen movies. Like basically, they had a problem with the film on real six six six. Like that kind of thing happened. Um, it's nothing near nowhere anywhere near as intense as something like maybe Poltergeist, which the entire shoot was just plagued with problems. And then um, also the Passion of the Christ, which was also uh, plagued with issues while they were recording it. But um, apparently they had a little bit of that stuff happen on the home. And I think that's very interesting. I always um, love when that happens. Now, the thing about the Omen that, that I find really interesting and fun. And um, there's one thought I had about it. And Nick, actually, this is aimed more towards you because I think I would like your opinion on it. Okay. Um, is I felt like it was. I need to clarify here that I have nothing against, once again, anybody of any religion, but I am a free thinker, so deal with me for a second. I felt like it was Catholic. Uh, it was pro-Catholic propaganda. The entire series was pro-Catholic propaganda. Hey, we're warning you. Hey, we're right. Hey, we're all nice guys. And the third one, an entire like brotherhood of like Catholic monks get together to kill the Antichrist, and a lot of them die in the process. And they don't even question it. They just do it because, like, they for their god or whatever. Um, and uh, and I just felt like, and then in the end, you've got Jesus actually showing himself, right, um, for a brief moment. And so, like, I really felt like there was a heavily, heavily pro-Catholic skew to it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, as I was talking to Beth about last night, um, every movie, every book you read has some kind of slant to it. Um, just depending on who made it. But um, I thought it was uh, kind of bludgeoned you over the head a little bit sometimes with, you know, how helpful the Catholics I, were in this situation. I think, I don't want to say it's to the point of satire. I don't know what you call that, in between satire and, like, super for it. Because it, you could definitely tell it's not a Christian movie. Um because it would have absolutely, I have seen a lot of Christian movies and they all suck. I, I've said it before. I hate Christian music and I don't like Christian movies. Um, except for, I haven't seen Passion of the Christ. I hear it's super awesome. And Prince super, of Egypt, okay. which is one of the best movies ever That's made. That's Jewish. That's Jewish. Uh, but it's still religious. <laughs> I mean, I said I don't like Christian movies. <laughs> oh, well. No, the same story. I mean, it Hold has, on. A, I mean, it has the same that story. The I guess it does depend. That rule I guess it is depend. the movie Godspell. Never watched Godspell. But yeah, like, do you like musicals? I do. I mean, I like, you have like, to be Godspell. I absolutely love Fiddler on the Roof. That's Jewish. I absolutely love. I mean, yes. Well, okay. Actually, Fiddler on the Roof is exclusively Jewish because it is post. Nick, I really, <laughs> I need for you to see Godspell. It's a musical okay. written by about a 1970s white dude with an afro with a <laughs> Superman shirt. Who's Jesus and oh the entire gosh. it's all the book of Matthew done in this musical. Okay. I see I see out. your it's I see your God spell and I raise you Jesus Christ vampire hunter. Oh my okay? god. 
Jesus yeah, no, Christ Superstar. So, it's so sentimental to me. Like, it's so beautiful. The music is amazing. Like, I guess I'll have to check it out because I don't know. Like, God's Not Dead, terrible movie. Um, what's the uh, God's Not Dead 2? You have all of the, there's like those brothers who make the. Oh, God with George Burns. That was a good movie. Like, I forget what they do. There's like, uh, I forget the name, but it, when it comes down to like being a sermon. In a movie format, I don't like it. Like Fireproof, Courageous, uh, Facing the Giant, I, Flywheel, all four of those. What I'm like, are all of those? I don't even know. What I don't that know. Is. I don't know. I like Jewish movies better, I guess. Um, but um, I think, like, it's definitely not a Christian movie because I think Jesus immediately would have stepped down and just slapped and, him and, just... and crushed um, <laughs> the the Antichrist, and the devil would have showed up, and it would have been like. I don't know, epic or something. I think it was Dave Grohl shows up. <laughs> I'm the devil <laughs> with his triple triple kick pedals. Oh, such a good, <laughs> good movie. Um, Did you just scratch and sniff the omen in Tenacious D? Is that what just happens? <laughs> what? I don't know. I I I found I found it like respectful, but very much over the head um, because. It was kind of convenient how the 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 father at the very beginning was like, "Hey, I know your child just died, but uh, hey, we got a fresh one just for you." Um, I got you covered, bro. Yeah, they, that's like a fr- <laughs> Sarah. Like my wife walked by and she was like, "Are they really about to like?" have him lie to his wife and absolutely he did it was like oh my god they did too with yeah. no questions asked they yeah. were like yep i don't even think he got to tell her i think she died before he told her didn't that yeah, happen it, it um yeah so she never found out officially but she <laughs> highly suspected it before yeah, she died true um, that's yeah but he never i yeah i don't know but I, he didn't like mourn his original child yeah, you know I what think... i mean it kind of touches on it when they dig up the graves but like like he never asked any questions. He about was the just other... like, "Give this broad a baby before she goes insane." <laughs> like, think, yeah. really? Like that was all it was. This is calling way back. I don't know if this was on a podcast that you and I did, or if it was you and Ghostbody. But we talked. You talked about. Uh, I don't know why this stuck out to me, but Penn and Teller. You said that's the whole issue with um, being a Christian parent. Is it goes back to the binding of Isaac. This father yes. absolutely was about to binding of Isaac, his son. <laughs> Does that but make his, it? I mean, his his dad wasn't doing it because he was especially. So Abraham, for those of you guys true. who don't know the story of Abraham um, and Isaac, uh, God sends an angel down. The angel informs Abraham that uh, if he killed his son, Isaac, that there would be a covenant with God that would lead to um, basically Jews getting the promised land. Right. So. Every uh, so all the main trinity of religions that uh, are kind of the main religions today, Christianity, Judaism and Islam are all considered Abrahamic. They all kind of started at this point with the binding of Isaac. And so what happens is Isaac, um, he doesn't really even think about it too much. He's he agonizes over it a little bit, but he's so dedicated to God that he puts Isaac on a sacrificial altar, has a knife ready to kill him. And um, and the angel comes down and he's like, basically, like, hey, um, you showed your dedication. You don't have to kill Isaac. Our covenant is it's going down. And so that's where kind of like the entire like religion got established was with Abraham. Now, what he's referencing with Penn and Teller 
is Penn did a book called Oh God. Um, and in the book, the first thing he says in the book is if you're not willing to kill your kid for God, you're not truly religious. You're an atheist because uh, because a true like truly religious person that truly believed in God would do exactly as Abraham did. But most of us, if not all of us today, feel like that's completely insane and would never even consider it whether God said it or not. Um, but that also makes us all in Penn's view. And I think I agree with him too, inherently, at least slightly atheistic. With that all said and all that set up taken care of, I do not think that um, that Thorne at the end, I think he was doing it for moral reasons and also revenge reasons, which is one of the reasons why he was killed instead of actually succeeding at it, because there was a strong religious movie or not. There was a strong moral thread throughout the movie and people who did bad things, even for good reasons, ended up punished. Uh, in the movie and so there was a heavy heavy he wasn't going to kill the kid until the people that he loved yeah. started dying and so i don't think for a second that it relates back to abraham mm -hmm. although the imagery is much the same he's standing there with the you know with the with the sacrificial dagger and he's ready to do it and then the cops come in and shoot him but um so there's obviously a callback to it but um, I just think completely different reasons. True. I think his reasons for doing it were completely earthbound and had nothing to do with like saving the world or like doing God's bidding. It was more so. I think it was just the imagery. I, mean, I think that really yeah. leads to a great segue to kind of to what you were talking about in that linearness of the completion with all three movies where you get this really complete arc and storyline. How you talked about like what it was that finally made it so that somebody was able to, to kill Damien at the end and we were, you had some really interesting like observations on like why he was vulnerable to the reporter versus like everybody else in his life for all of his like 40 years that was unsuccessful you know is what were their motivations and how were they used against him or did he use them against themselves and also, um, so me and Beth were talking last night. Um, as she mentioned earlier, we had to reschedule this recording. And so her and I talked for a little bit about the movies. We generally don't do that. We generally save all of our observations for the podcast. So you guys get the best stuff from us. And it's not like just rehashed and repeated. But in this situation, I actually like I'm really thankful for it because like I really, really, really felt like I hit on something last night. You did. That, it was really great. And that is that um, Damien throughout all the movies um, for the most part, um, besides just being a douche, uh, is a pretty, pretty normal dude. Like he um, he doesn't like you would expect the Antichrist to be partying it up. He would be like hanging out with Motley Crue and shit at strip clubs. But the, the one in the omen is really subdued. And so we get to the third one and he's an adult. <clears throat> and I noticed throughout the movie he never does anything really in the movie besides commanding, you know, obviously all the all the kids born in a certain time to be killed. But he didn't do it himself. He Charles Manson, those motherfuckers. Word. But um, he himself never did anything in the movie that anybody would consider sinful, even though he was the Antichrist. He was very straight laced to the whole movie. And Nick, I know you didn't see it, but he was incredibly straight laced until he had. Uh, sex outside of marriage with a reporter and that was the person who eventually killed him and what I interpret the message as is that it was actually his sin killing him because he lived without sin for the most part 
In fact, I my theory is that the entire movie that he was likely a virgin or something like it or very close to it. Sure, um, it did kind of allude to that, especially with like the aggression of the scene where they had sex because it started out as fully consensual sex and absolutely turned into rape by the time the scene was over, you know, yeah. and so it was kind of a sort of coming of age for Damien finally to, to actually be in this aggressive, like, because his whole demeanor changed. Like, he actually started aggressively acting out, sending people to go kill children and, and do all these things after that point. Like, it, it You're really right, changed. You're right, like that it changed his whole personality and dynamic which i think it's funny i wish that we had seen more of that in the first it's like he had met the, the 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 nanny baylock in the first movie and then in the second movie he was just this little shit kid in military school right like and he had his yeah. woo-woos we were talking you know the the, the south park psychic woo-woos where he would like stare at people <laughs> and all of a sudden they're clutching their chest um, which is cool and all, but it, it like it was just normal nefarious sort of teenager behavior if he had cool psychic powers, you know. Um, but he he was a little more malicious in the first two movies, where he as Sam Neill played this incredibly subdued, very classy, very um, well trained in etiquette and manners and like how to 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 win friends and influence people. Like he was charming, and yet very scary at the same time you know but you didn't know why whereas in the first two movies he was like a little shit and people were rightfully so terrified of him so i wish it, we would have seen more of like that planning for what samuel was going to be kind of in the first two movies where maybe as a teenager he wasn't so malicious and sort of snarky you know like he was a little bit more subdued it would have been interesting i think to see it played that way instead and so the third one actually presents, if you read it like I did, um, then it presents an interesting paradox because the Antichrist is very Christ-like. I think. Um, and so I don't know. I What were you going to say, Nick? I'm sorry. Well, it's it's too longer tangent. So if you got to say anything, <laughs> I probably. No, I mean, please. I mean. No, that was all I was trying to say. I got two things sort of um, that I learned. One of them is what I learned through uh, seminary again is that. Uh, and other church messages is there's now a belief. I don't know if it is common knowledge or if it's just kind of thing like, um, like there is there, uh, this relates to Jesus more than it does. The antichrist, the antichrist is the second thing I got. The first thing was like, Jesus didn't know he was Jesus really. Like he kind of acted that way until he went to the temple and then when he stayed back, that's the second he really kind of understood. Because at first it was like he didn't know. I mean, he was just kind of like hanging out with mom and dad. And then it like as soon as he went to the temple and started reading for the uh, the elders, that's kind of like the moment when he does that. Do you not know um, I'm doing my father's will sort of thing. Um, so he started. I, pro I bet he was probably like a normal child up until the age of 12. Um, which is when it's when he went to the temple. The second thing is um, from seminary, they talked about the Antichrist has to be someone to convince the entire world that he is, you know, that to follow him. Instead he's of the Jesus. guy. Yeah, he's the guy. So I think the Antichrist absolutely would be more um, subdued and he has to convince everyone in the entire world. So he's got to be super charismatic 
remember growing up, I was in middle school when uh, President Obama came into office and living in the South and going to a Baptist school. I don't know if you heard it, but <laughs> everyone thought Obama was the Antichrist and we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> I think I don't think the, the end of times is going to come anytime soon. We're not cool enough for that. And it's not set up yet. And it's only been 2000 years. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Well, that's that's a really interesting thing. Uh, well, two things. The first one is that Obama would be an excellent antichrist, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. And the second thing is that um, <laughs> is that actually uh, <laughs> um, th- that's one of the interesting thing about the biblical text themselves is that there's a lot of uh, stuff in uh, a lot of the gospels that indicates that uh, revelations and the rapture will come soon in their lifetimes. Um, I believe it was. Was it Matthew that actually explicit, yeah. explicitly stated that it was going to be within his lifetime? I don't remember which one it was. I'd have to look it up again. I think I think it was Matthew. I could be wrong. No, it was Paul. What, Paul, yeah. Paul explicitly argument. stated. This is my argument. We've been in the end of times since the times began. Okay, fair. Um, the like, Bible does put I... in explicit timelines, but, uh, but fair. I'm with you. Like since it, it all started since we counted started counting the times as being the times in this like Abrahamic Christian like calendar that we've been keeping like it has been the end of times and so like because I've heard that Clinton was the Antichrist and I've heard that Obama was the Antichrist and I literally just heard around a dining room table the other day about how monkeypox is in the Bible and Trump oh is God. the Antichrist I have heard all of, I've heard that 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 all kinds of different theories and things from all over the world. And the thing is, is like, it just, it, it, the threat isn't scary anymore at this point. Like I'm a millennial. I'm hoping that the system falls. That's my (laughs) retirement plan. Really? Let's be honest about it. If that's coming cool, you know, great. Like it's, I know how to farm and grow food. I'll eat the rapture. (laughs) Children. I'm already raising feral children. What's an extra arm? Like if that, if the rapture happens, does my student debt finally get fucking clear? Maybe I can finish my bachelor's at X university and and Patrick Stewart can teach me how to use my new mutant powers. Like I I will say this, first of all, about the antichrist is first of all, Nick explicitly said earlier, Earlier, that the Antichrist has to be somebody that everybody likes. So, uh, so it's Trump's not Trump automatically Absolutely doesn't not, qualify. No. However, I will say this Trump is the only person you mentioned that their name is explicitly mentioned in Revelations, um, just in a different context. Uh, and that is, of course, the last Trump, which is uh, a part of, um, I believe it's one of the last seals that are broken or something like yeah. that before uh, hell breaks loose. So, um, so yeah, there is something in the Bible called the last Trump and, uh, that is really interesting. Um, but, uh, you get what I'm saying though. It's just, it's forever. <laughs> it's always been that way. Like there was a point in time I heard thing about how Tesla was right. So you know, Jason, we were actually talking about this and he's like, you know, if you were to go based off of the sea of politics being where the antichrist comes from, as has been discussed, he's like, you know, who would be. Like it has to be somebody who was raised in politics, based off of how they've have they theorized it. He's like, it's gonna be like Chelsea Clinton. Honestly, it's gonna be like something that's familiar in the political world, but has a footing in it, but isn't necessarily what we would automatically assume, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're just gonna tell me that Bernie Sanders is is the Antichrist next, and then I got really sad. Like, 
I I don't know. I'm having issues with like I I am Christian and I I tend to stay away from Revelation just because after taking class in it, I think and nowadays people are I mean, they are still basing it off of John the Baptist or uh, yeah, John the Baptist who wrote the thing and they're saying um that it was very much for his time. And then you have people who like when I started studying it, it was like well, here's how we would interpret it in today's age. And if the, if the end doesn't come now, in 2,000 years, they're going to be like, so it says there's a demon with blonde hair and wings. Now, when I was there, like that could be interpreted as, is it a news helicopter with a chick with blonde hair driving it? Because then if it doesn't happen now, you're going to have people 2,000 years going, so is it a winged spaceship with a blonde alien in it? Because I don't know, I think... I, perspective i th- yeah i think the end goal is jesus wins devil is bad if you believe you go to heaven if you don't you go to hell there is a certain grace period with the rapture depending on if you believe in the rapture or not um and if you if you heard the name of jesus and didn't accept him then you can't after that that's also another thing i don't know like if they ever touched on that in the movies or not, but um, they didn't really no. like they didn't go into any of that particular so it's not super deep. dogma it's like, and yeah. propaganda at all. It was still very much from the perspective of this is not the a Antichrist, <laughs> not even really knowing he was the Antichrist. Like all of a sudden people are dying for him and murdering other people for him. He's a little kid and he doesn't even know. And it kind of still stayed that way. Like he didn't really figure it out until it's almost like in the scripture where we've got like, christ at 12 and then all of a sudden we've got christ at 30 like it was very much the jump from the second movie to the third movie was pretty similar as far as timeline so we don't get really any of that character development from not really knowing who he is to fully knowing who he is and just trusting in the process so the the omen three omits a lot and um it's for it's a good movie and i like it a lot but one thing about it that um, I do think is interesting, Roger Ebert hated it. He was like, it was just such a letdown because you're talking about these really big, you know, kind of know themes. Yeah. Oh, he hated it. Did he you gave know it like I'm a related half star. To him? Huh? Do you know I'm related to him? Are you? Wow. Damn, he's like my grandmother's second or third cousin or something. They were never able to figure out how closely they were related because of all the records that were destroyed in World War II back in germany so but yeah we're like distantly related that's freaking awesome well um it's why i have so many opinions he there you go he doesn't agree with you when it comes to uh the omen three but one thing about it is that uh so for example they kind of make passing references to like famine and to like kind of like what you would consider i guess the four horsemen they make Mm -hmm. kind of passing references but then the thing is, is like there's never a mention of the seven seals, for example. There's never a mention of the last Trump. There's never a mention really for in any real way of um, the the multi-headed dragon that represents all the nations that will partake in the events leading up to Revelation. They never even really talk about what's going to happen after he takes his throne. Like never. it's just everything is very much here and now. There's no future prediction really there's nothing that alludes up to what he's going to gain at all i think i think he says like a thousand years apiece i think he says that early in the movie like basically i don't um, know i had kids talking to me while i was trying to watch it too so i might have missed that yeah i think he says something like that but it's very vague 
Um, it's incredibly vague and incredibly quick. And so like, there's a, like, there's a lot about it that like, it just doesn't go into. And the, the reason I think that it doesn't is actually two reasons. Um, the first one is time. Um, the movie is already not a short movie Yeah, that was as it is. And then the second one is just budgetary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, would it be cool if during that last scene, they had like a whole fight scene, like doing Kung Fu with Jesus as the four horsemen rode around overhead and fucking, you know, uh, and, and, and skillet played in the background, even though it's the eighties, uh, and skillet's not out yet. Yeah. That would be fucking great. But it was, it was the early eighties. And so I think they just kept it really subdued and, um, you know, instead of trying to go hokey with it, even though the appearance of Jesus at the end was still a little hokey and was one of the incredibly few things in that movie that I find fault with. Um, was he white it, with blonde hair and blue eyes? No, it wasn't even that. It was like this holograph light projection like, yeah. of Jesus, like in all neon white and blue. Oh. And he's just like, oh, like it would be cool if it was Tupac, even though Tupac was <laughs> at that point. Um, oh my God. It, cool. it should have been Gene Wilder. Like, if we're going to go with the times or, like, Woody Allen, like, that yeah. would have been a great Jesus. They definitely did give the impression of white Catholic Jesus, though, if that's what you're asking. 100%. Um, it kind of it looks like, have you seen the Jesus guy on TikTok? No. Oh, I'll have to send you the link. Oh, wait, I think, really wait, is he that guy who, like, dresses up like Jesus and he's like, what you looking at uh, sort of guy? Yeah, yeah. So he looks like that guy with the big old bug eyes, but, like, in a white and blue neon, like, hologram light projection thing not a fan of like, jesus not gonna lie because <laughs> jesus was not white it was the not french even close i looked at but, um, actually like watched a thing on it it's the french who did that if you interesting it, yeah this so um if you if you, you want to imagine what jesus looked like in the last movie at the very end mm -hmm. uh think um the ghosts in ghostbusters like kind of how they yeah. were rendered that's kind of the same tech that they used in oh, order okay. to him across or like high spirits if you've ever seen the movie high spirits it was kind of a lot like that okay I will say this. I think, um, and I could be wrong about this. I've never seen this in any of my research, but I have an I, I have an idea, and that is this might be a little controversial, um, but also kind of brave uh, or just stupid. You decide. Uh, tell me in uh, Apple Podcast in the five star review you leave. Um, so I have an idea. World Wrestling Federation (WWF). Um, I think that the thing about it is, is that. It's a way for uh, not only for people to enjoy stories. There's a lot of really great stories that go along with it. Uh, I, I also think it's a way for people to indulge in something like the Greeks used to where they had they, their gladiators and their stuff uh, wrestle naked and shit like that. I think there's a lot of homoeroticism to WWF. I think there's a lot of homoeroticism to our modern day perception of Jesus Christ. Like he used to be perceived as this really skinny guy, this really just stick thin guy in pain on a cross you know what i mean and like it was it was actually a crucifixes old crucifixes you see are generally speaking great representations of a martyrdom yeah right because jesus it's was of course a martyr but these it, it really is but uh, getting into the brutality of that is just that's an entirely different subject but um i agree but um, Jesus, these days, when you see, like, perceptions of him, my man's swole. It's the French, I'm telling you. I yeah, watched they a whole, were like, like... I watched a whole series. It's this... I forget his name. It's this super awesome Jewish guy who went around and talked about the progression of the art of Jesus, and it was the damn French. <laughs> if you're French I, in the I podcast. If you're French I in the so podcast. So, I watched um, a History Channel thing, like, years and years ago, where they did, like, a, a rend rendering of the Shroud. Like, oh yeah, the shadow. You know, 
yeah, where they actually like tried to pull images from the bloodstains to try to piece together like what Jesus was would look like. And I swear to God, hand to the Bible, my jaw dropped to the floor because when they finished the rendering digitally, it looked like Jason. <laughs> well, uh, here's here's the thing: the shroud so, of like... Turin, the shroud of Turin has since proved to be yeah. not Jesus. However, whoever died in the Shroud of Turin looking like Jason is awesome. I, I, just, um, I like I my mouth. I was like, <laughs> like his round face, the beard, the nose, like everything. Even the hairline was like a little oh less God. receded, you know. But it looked like Jason, only maybe not quite as like swole. I'm telling you, man. Uh, I'm thinking Jesus was like five six, portly, definitely brown, definitely had a fro because he's Jewish. Yeah. Um, absolutely would not he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be unassuming you're supposed to want to follow you're supposed to like figure him out you know you can't i mean sure. if, if there was a blonde haired blue-eyed long-haired like wavy just set his hair and like don't get in the Handsome humidity for like an hour like jesus. yeah yeah jesus yeah the modern day interpretation the, the modern album, day interpretation of jesus looks like fabio <laughs> In his prime, and I, I was going to say David Hasselhoff, but that you works know. too. Yeah, but it's it looks like him in his prime, and I think that the reason for this, personally, I could be wrong here, is because uh, so that both women and men can both have latent sexual attraction to him. I do really think that, um, and uh, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. Like yeah, sex and religion, particularly Roman Catholic, like. Shame. Shame. Like, there's Shame. so so much that goes into it like and there's so many layers of that as far as like what we can talk about in regards to like the repression of well, women's I mean, sexuality and like there's there's a lot that we could discuss there i i, I want to clarify that i'm not saying that guys that worship jesus and think that he's great um and, no homo yeah i'm not no yeah homo. no homo the i'm biggest, not saying that the biggest thing you just said there was homoeroticism but it's been found out now well since jesus absolutely was not white um not at all the italian paintings that you see are actually commissioned by i forget which king it was i think it's king george king george was the one who did the or king james king james was actually gay and he, fucking James, and he's the one who commissioned uh, those paintings <laughs> of Jesus. But he had relations with Cesare. I forget his name, Cesare, and Cesare is the one that you see painted a lot of in Italian. Oh, Jesus it's paintings. depicted as Jesus. I saw that. Yeah, yeah it's actually yeah. Cesare that King James was actually homosexual with. Um, well, there's a lot okay, of where okay. we see like <laughs> hey, sexuality. Guys, I got I end this episode. I gotta get this out of my system. <laughs> I so you notice he mentioned King James and I automatically said fuck King James, all right. Sorry. And I swear to God, if I see King James on the street, I'm fucking right. <laughs> you, see the the you see him in hell <laughs> or purgatory. I'm throwing him up. All right. Listen, King James has been dead for many, many years, and that's a good thing for all of us. Okay. I want you so, to know, Pope, that like if we are like in the other side of the pearly gates and you roll up on king james i got you you got my got my back i got my back with me i think you're gonna see him in hell i don't think dude king james went straight to hell okay so guys for those of you who don't know the king james we're referring to is the one that released the king james bible um and uh that's obviously one of the more popular bibles today but if you don't know about king james life there was um there was the homosexuality thing which i do not think is a center of problem and i think it's probably one of the less 
bothersome things about him if because it's not bothersome at all. But one thing I will say is that King James actually was one of the people that ignited the um, the I guess the Inquisition against the witches in Europe, which later led to the one in America, which led to all the burnings that happened and stuff. King James actually kind of gave an official stamp to all of that. And the reason the kind of like the legendary reason behind it is that a seer, he was interested in the occult. He was deeply interested in the occult. And uh, but he uh, back in the day, if you were interested in the occult, you could be accused of heresy. But he was a king, so he did what the fuck he wanted to do. And what happened was a seer, I guess, told him that his wife would die in a storm on a boat. And then a storm hit and uh, his wife died. And so basically he was like, you know what? Fuck all y'all witch motherfuckers. And so that's that's what triggered all of that. He wrote a book, uh, if anybody is curious, uh, the modern day kind of name for it. It's called Demonology, but the modern editions are called Demonology of King James. In it, he presents it as a lot of people did back in the day when they were making theses as a conversation between two people, one of them knowledgeable and one of them ignorant. And so he explains his viewpoints on witches and what they are. And um, it's it's light cons uh, considering, you know, Heimlich uh, Kramer and the witch hammer, right? The Malefus, uh, the Malleus Maleficarum. But um, that came after like so King James is a fucking douche. And um, I make no apologies for that opinion because thousands and thousands of people died directly as a result of his actions as king. And um well, fuck that guy. Huh? I said, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that dude. Yeah. The Bible. It's very much like the whole that. Bloody Mary thing too. Like just how religion was utilized in order to just sanction people justifying the murder and, and genocide of thousands and thousands of people. It's and that's that's an entirely different part. Like the, the King James thing totally different podcast. The love it is and like we, that's not why we're here. And I'm not cutting Beth off or saying like she shouldn't, you know, talk about this. Stuff, of course, I'm just saying that like, I'm just saying like I just had to get that one thing out no, of my no, system you're good. because like, if you know the history of King James, like he was just such a shit human, and um, I don't remember how he died, but I hope it was painful, um, and I hope there's a hell so that he's burning there right now and hopefully listening to this podcast oh. and hopefully King James goes on Apple and leaves us a five-star review because he got mentioned um, and got, he got 10 minutes of my goddamn life dedicated to talking about him. You're never going to get that back either. Fucking <laughs> asshole. Um, you know what? That's, that's the whole thing. When I die and go to hell, that's going to be my punishment is I have to hang out with King James. You're going to be like, See, uh... I don't believe in hell. So like, I just, I don't wish that for anybody, even King James, like I shit, I do. You're gonna be like Dante and Dante's Inferno and the video game. I'm talking about the the video game where your action buff Dante with the a seared stitched cross and a sickle, and you're gonna go instead I, you know, of fucking redeeming Pontius Pilate, you're gonna damn him to hell. I further. played that game, but it's such a ripoff of God of War that I was just like, <laughs> oh my god, guys, come on. Yeah. Uh, but it was still good. There's a lot of boobies in it, which is always fun on Xbox 360s. So they're essentially Minecraft squares, but that's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, guys, um, wow, what a great conversation and what a great series of films. Um, I think we're all in agreement that they're they're awesome movies. The ones we saw, 
Um, I strongly recommend that all of you who have not seen the original Omen trilogy, especially. We didn't get into four, though. Was four good? Do we need to watch four? Uh, so four is cool. Like, it's in that miniseries kind of way where miniseries from the 90s just, you know, slap in a way that TV doesn't slap anymore. Um, but it's about a little girl. Um, and she is the Antichrist. She's got the little sixes on the back of her head under her hair, and there's, like, a nanny who's all, like, woo-woo crunchy lady with the crystals in her drawer, you know? And they, like, go to get, like, an aura photograph taken at, like, one of those cool little festivals with, like, the metaphysical shit. Like, there's some, like, cool things I remember of it from when I was a little girl. Um, and if I recall correctly, there was a couple of good deaths in it, but, again, I was very small when I saw it. Like, it just kind of stuck with me certain, like, iconic parts of it that are picturesque in my memory um but i would say check it out like it's king james (laughs) come on james stop fucking with us bro i fucking lost it damn it there i blame king james yeah probably you know what i hope that king paymon Beats up I was James. literally about to say uh, they're probably no. like having a conversation okay. down there. I need to commission this fan art. Um, I need to commission the fan art of King Payman beating the shit out of King James. That I, I would, I would, I would hang that on my wall. I'd blow it up to like a huge size and, and hang it on my <laughs> wall. That'd camel is awesome. like peeing on him. That's for funny. for yeah. the record. I think King Payman could totally take King James, but then again, pretty much anybody Hands can down. take King James. So. Um, I'm pretty sure the little boy that was in the first Omen movie could take uh, King James. Um, also, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to speculate on if there's Rule 34 porn in this. Um, so we're just going to skip that portion of our program. There has uh, to be. Not speculating it, not looking into it. Okay, the Omen, the first movie is the most famous one. Not speculating on this. Also, I have I, I want your congratulations from both of you. Because we've got an entire podcast, and I have not made one Catholic joke about a movie with a little boy in it. All right, I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you, thank you. I had like 20 in my head, and I'm like, that is just mean and mean spirited, and I'm not going to do it. With uh, this was really fun. This was probably like one of the best podcasts we've done, you guys. No, it got really deep. It got really deep. <laughs> I know there was really good dialogue. Now yeah. we forgot to hit the record button. Oh no! No, you scared me. You scared me. Scared. <laughs> I didn't check. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you um, for listening to this uh, this episode of Macabre Masters. Um, do you guys have any kind of closing thoughts on the Omen, or uh, if people should check it out, or like anything else that they should know before we get out of here and call it a night? I don't know. I think I think you absolutely should watch it. Um, if not for um the classical i mean the time we're recording this it's getting pretty dang close to spooky season we're just about there so i mean if you don't watch it during spooky season watch it for uh like a film history like i think it's just a rite of passage at this point it's been out for so long uh it's classic there's a lot of good like cinematography I, i just think you should just watch it it's really good oh we didn't even really go into like the awesomeness of the storm um when uh when old dude got i know you yeah. highlighted that as your got favorite death, but that storm was really cool they were they were getting something across without using cgi and effects like it was really cool it was all practical um the framing of the scene when um they find the jackal in the in the graves was just so creepy and weird this and- is baylock 
Ugh, I hated her. <laughs> oh, dude. She was crazy. She was also kind of cute, though, in a weird, what? creepy way. Yeah. Ew, no. Ew, yeah. she looked like David Miss Bowie. Bale. I was yeah. literally afraid David Bowie's of David gorgeous. Bowie. Okay. I was terrified of David Bowie as a little girl because of how much Mrs. Baylock looked like David Bowie. David Bowie is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man. Okay, all, let's, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is imitate and then iterate. That's all I'm saying, all right? All right, I love David Bowie and I love Miss Baylock. Uh, call me. She, I actually call her Miss. I call her Miss Baylock, but I spell it B A E. All right. Uh, <laughs> Nanny Bay. Nanny Bay. I'm down. I'm down, girl. Bro, call me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. There was definitely some really great um, aspects to the cinematography. Stuff is well shot. It's classy, as Nick mentioned earlier. It's um, it's really um, kind of reserved. And so, and we live in a day, uh, our modern horror is all very, uh, if you think about something like, uh, like, uh, hereditary again with somebody sawing their fucking head off yeah. uh, on screen or, uh, even Midsummer, the other Ari Aster movie where people like straight up jump off a cliff yeah. and you see them get gored or something like saw, um, we live in a world Hostile. where like horror has like advanced to the point where like, they're not afraid to, you know, show you anything on screen. But there's something to be said, and that's great, but there's something really to be said for doing it more classy and doing it, like, more Cover reserved. Cover it up a little bit. I guess like, that'd be my yeah, recommendation. Like, a higher collar. Don't show us your ankles, Mr. Horror Guy. <laughs> I think right? I think my recommendation would be watch Evil on Paramount+. Plus. I think it's, it's a good in-between. There's a little bit of blood. Not a lot of gore, though. You're not going to see people get decapitated. And it is centered around this, uh, this whole topic. It, it, it's not end time Z, but it feels like it's getting there. There's like demons roaming on earth and you got like the devil himself is there. And there's a buff priest. If you ever watch uh, Luke Cage, Luke Cage is this priest in training. Super awesome. I love him. He's probably great at exorcisms. He's like, get the fuck out of the girl. And the demon's like, okay, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he's I just, I'm yeah. not tangling with this fucker. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. He does uh, mushrooms to see God, so. You know, there you Maybe go. Too, don't fine. we all? Don't we? I'm just kidding. I've never done mushrooms in my life, but um, I have, and I highly recommend it if you want to see God. It's not a bad way to try. <laughs> um, all right, so there we go. Ringing endorsing the mushrooms. We're sure to be popular with all the parents out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> with that said, uh, all right. So, uh, Beth, did you have any any final parting shots? I uh, thoughts. So, I absolutely recommend that people see if anything. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. Damn it. King James. <laughs> King James, damn you. <laughs> you fucking asshole. He's uh he's he's made his way back from the rings of hell to take revenge on me for being <laughs> mad about all the douchey shit he did when he was alive. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> Oh, now we got double baths. All right. Um, so I absolutely think that you should watch it. It's classic. It's it's um, definitely something that is thought-provoking and emotionally stirring. Um, we didn't even touch on probably the scariest part for me was the the auditory and the score 
the soundtrack to the movie has stuck with me and played in my nightmares for decades. Like, and it, 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 to the point where like when I was all pregnant trying to watch the South Park episode, I like started crying like, cause it was just too much. I was super all like pregnant and hormonal and I couldn't watch it. Um, everything about it is done in a way that gives you a full story. Like, and it really does cause if you, especially if you are religious, if you do believe in, um, any kind of religious, you know, Christian mindset that there is a heaven and hell, it will, it's thought provoking. And it, it, it's definitely got some things that are a little scary to think about. Um, that being said, like there are probably way more scary movies out now. You know, you're not going to be freaked out. You're not going to be jumping off of your seat. This is way more of a calm, relaxed sort of, you have to pay attention to get the story sort of thing. But if you have the time to sit down and watch it, highly recommend it. The soundtrack is actually something uh, really important to point out. Um, the soundtrack actually was an award-winning one. Uh, the composer got an Oscar for it. Um, and what makes it interesting is not only just the composition, and um, but it's actually the lyrics. What they did was they did like Catholic, like uh, like what you would imagine as being Catholic like a Gregorian choir chant, kind yeah, of. Gregorian chants, like in Latin. But they were all um, to kind of twisted versions. So like they talked about. Uh, eating bodies and uh, the raising of Satan and all that stuff. That's what they were talking like Avatora Satani, I think was something they said in there. Like it's, it's uh, like, ah, ah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's like, it's great. The soundtrack is fucking wonderful. Uh, so definitely something that deserved to be highlighted. So um, as far as my thoughts on it, um, I was not, I went into it not expecting greatness. Um, old horror movies are generally speaking very corny um and and i think they're corny in a good way though right like something like the exorcist is really corny but uh today but it was really terrifying back in the day to a lot of people because those effects for the most part were practical like when she's puking and stuff that's all fucking practical and these days like we we took the gift of practical effects for granted and now we got all this cgi stuff and nothing on screen's believable anymore and so going and watching old horror is a great way to see stuff that's actually believable um and so uh like a uh, american werewolf in in london the first one is a great example of just great practical effects like masters at their art doing it um the exorcist is another example point being here that um, I went into it with low expectations and just got my mind blown. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, I watched them all one after the other. Like, they're wonderful movies. They're well worth seeing. And uh, as was mentioned earlier, if you are interested in the topic of, like, apocalyptic thought as it relates um, to Christianity, um, then it's definitely something worth checking out just for a little bit more of an understanding of the popular perception that we have of it. Um, like I said, do your research and see what's, what jibes with revelations and what doesn't, for example, the rhyme that they said about like man versus man and stuff that was completely made up for the movie. That's not in the Bible, but it was close enough to where it at least gives you a good idea of what apocalyptic thought looks like uh, as far as revelations. But the better thing to do is as Beth mentioned earlier, to actually just sit down and read the Bible. Um, but if you do, and then you watch those movies, I think you'll have a lot more context and it's worth seeing. Um, with that said, guys, wow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Macabre Masters. Um, uh, shout outs. Do you guys have any shout outs? 
shout out shout out to you guys for staying up and doing this i know you're both yeah. really tired so that's mine <laughs> i have shout outs i couldn't tell you what they are right now hold on i need like a second nick give me some shout outs um <clears throat> shout out to my wife she just started her uh final year of college she changed majors last minute when she was a junior so she is a seventh year senior um, and she is busting it out with like 15 or 18 credits. She's full-time studenting. Like she's ready to get this over with. So she is hitting the ground running. She just went to bed like right a few minutes ago. I just saw the light turn off. So <laughs> she's busting it out too. And she's got to be up the same time I got to be up. So uh, shout out to my wife for, um, you know, crushing it and killing the game and, you know, working so hard these past three years. Party on, Beth. Um, I mean, shout out to my teacher, who is also my boss, who is like killing it right now. She just took over as program chair for the school, and like I'm working for work study, like as her assistant, helping her to digitize student files and do all kinds of amazing stuff. And like this woman is so overwhelmed, and she's so inspiring. Honestly, like she blows me away. So like. If if Professor Faith ever gets to, to hear this, like I hope she knows that I think that she is amazing and she's killing it. And shout out to my kids who've been grounded for a month and are truly suffering the, the true death of what it is to be grounded for a summer away from their electronics and like actually have to go outside and do stuff like because the struggle is real. That is, that is indeed a real struggle. Um, I, I you took away my electronics. I would be a wreck. Um <laughs> So, uh, so uh, especially my Kindle, I, I just need it. I have to have it. All right. With that said, um, guys, uh, seriously, thanks for listening. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We put a lot of thought and effort into it. And um, we're coming back soon. We're talking about doing maybe Final Destination. So that'll be a fun one, a little bit more modern. But until then, uh, make sure you uh, hit up Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, uh, especially if you hate King James like I do. And Spotify uh, too, don't forget. Oh, Spotify has reviews now, doesn't it? Yeah, leave I a think review. So, yeah. Leave a leave a starred review, a five star review. That's awesome. And uh the last thing I have to say on this entire thing is like seriously, guys, fuck King James. Like fuck that dude. Right in his James hole. Right in his I don't even I, yeah, right. Th- well, no, he probably <laughs> no, no, King no, King James was speculated to be a homosexual, so He'd probably enjoy it, so we don't want to do that. We want to actually, you know, maybe we can have him hook up with uh, Miss <laughs> M- Miss uh, Miss Bay, uh, Nana Bay. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, she's uh, wow. she's twenty times more awesome than he is. Uh, twenty million times. Man, fuck that. God damn, I hate that guy. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, there's few people in this world I hate historically or not, and he is one of them. So, uh, with that said, guys, uh, we'll see you later. We have a you. good one. Be well. We love you. Be well. If you're the Antichrist, hit your boy up. I'd love to talk. Word. I'll be your accolade. I'll like nod at you creepily at your like special events and stuff. I'll at the just... very least, he'll give you a discount on a t-shirt. Yeah, I'll give you a discount on a t-shirt. I'll make one for Speaking you. Of wish. Hey, shout out to you and and Tatiana. Like, oh, thank you. For sure. Like, shout out to you guys for the whole business venture and the new expansion and maturation of your entrepreneurship. Like, you guys have exciting things going on and I can't wait to see all the new stuff that you guys have coming out. That's going to be fun. Thank you. Thank you for the love. Um, I'll, uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll explain that stuff on a later podcast. We're already running really over, but um, that's uh, that's really sweet of you. Thank you. Um, all right, kids, have a good night. Be well. We love you. Stay safe. We love you.